0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Falato's Fantasy Corner. Here on Big Blue View Radio, I am the host, Nicholas Falato, and we're going to dive into some Week 6 rankings, some statistics to go over for your fantasy football team. Hopefully you guys are 5-0, 4-1, 3-2 possibly, but even if you're 1-4 or 2-3, do not give up. This is the time for those teams to rise when they monitor the waiver wire, make sound judicious decisions, trade pieces at their height to other desperate teams, and if you stick it out and you keep up with it, you can find that you'll win a lot of these middle weeks. And by the time you know it, you might be vying for one of those last playoff spots in your fantasy leagues. And that's all it takes is to get one of those. All you got to do is get into the dance. You do not need a first-round buy or anything like that. All you need to do is get into that dance, whether it be six or four teams, however your playoff formats are set up. Don't give up quite yet because people are going to get injured, as we've seen. There's going to be gold on the free agent wire. As we've seen, some of the best running backs, some of the best fantasy performers were waiver wire ads. You could start early on with someone like James Robinson. You could also look at Carolina's Mike Davis, who has filled in nicely for Christian McCaffrey. Speaking of McCaffrey, if you can buy a low on him now, he's not going to play this week against the Bears, and they haven't activated him yet, so he hasn't been practicing quite yet. Next week, they have the Saints, and then they play Thursday night football against the falcons so the way i look at this is if he's not fully healthy i don't see them bringing him back for the saints and then playing him on a short week thursday night football against the falcons now if he is healthy enough they might just sit him against the saints you get another usage week of mike davis who has been playing excellently so far this season Even though it's a tough matchup against the Saints, they haven't been as strong this season, but they still have really solid players on the interior and they have guys like Cam Jordan. But he's not going to play on that short week if McCaffrey is healthy. I do not envision that. So we might not see him until that game and then he gets an extended rest to play the Chiefs, but you might get another week of Mike Davis after this Bears week because we're not going to see Christian McCaffrey this week either. But anyways, this isn't just all about Mike Davis or Christian McCaffrey. My point is, stay in this, ladies and gentlemen. Power through. and Let's build some resilient stories of you starting 0-3 and possibly winning a fantasy championship. So we have some COVID news as well. The Atlanta Falcons had four players. Some of their personnel test positive, so they are shut down as of Thursday. The game isn't canceled It hasn't been moved quite yet i kind of think it will be moved to monday we might get three games on monday because the bills and the chiefs are also playing monday along with monday night football so we might have a really jam-packed monday of the arizona cardinals visiting the dallas cowboys the kansas city chiefs visiting the buffalo bills and then possibly this game with the vikings hosting the Atlanta Falcons but if Atlanta keeps testing positive they may need to get really creative with the schedule so it's a situation to monitor and it sucks so bad for everyone who just went out and spent a ton of fab on someone like Alexander Madison who is a top 5 running back for me this week if that game goes on but we need to monitor it we need to see if more tests come out with more players testing positive that may delay this game and force both those teams into a bye week so monitor your Vikings And your Atlanta Falcons. And like I've said before on this podcast, this kind of stuff is going to happen. It's going to be a very fluid situation. So before we get into the rankings, let's go over the highest over-unders according to Vegas. Vegas, they're not undefeated, but they're very damn good at predicting and setting lines to kind of manipulate us into making certain bets. Take this week, for example. We had Tuesday Night Football where the Bills, very good football team, undefeated football team at the time, traveled to the Tennessee Titans. Another very good football team, undefeated at the time. Still undefeated because they won the football game. But Tennessee had a turbulent week of just not being able to go to their facilities, having Zoom calls to go over their game plans. There was no not as many live reps as you could have because we heard that the Tennessee Titans had illegal meetings and it helped spread the COVID virus, and the NFL almost came down and really just vice-gripped them. That didn't happen quite yet, but they were able to get this game off on Tuesday and the line was set at kickoff, the Bills minus three. And I looked at that line, and I said, no, I do not trust this whatsoever. I thought the Bills should have been, granted, given the context of the Titans, and, you know, the Titans are a good team. I thought the Bills should have been like six point, six and a half point favorites in this game. But Vegas knew something. The Sharps knew something. There was probably heavy money coming in on Tennessee that kept that line where it was. And everybody saw Bills minus three. <laughs> Bills are going to beat the Titans by more than three points, definitely. And that did not happen whatsoever. The Titans just laid a slacking on them. The last time we saw the Bills play, they went to Vegas, and they were able to win the football game, but Josh Allen didn't look as good. It seems like Josh Allen's getting a little bit of the Daniel Jones treatment, a little bit of the Pat Mahomes treatment even. If you think about it, because you see a lot more zone coverage with these those quarterbacks that I just mentioned, with those quarterbacks playing, they see a lot more zone coverage and they're not as good at picking it apart as they are with man coverage, especially in the Chiefs case, just because I mean, you have the weapons you have in man coverage, you're gonna have success. And Pat Mahomes has one of the best arms ever and he can overcome his own defense either, but it just gives you that slight hesitation to kind of think of what you're seeing pre to post snap, and it can slow you down a little bit. You're not as crisp. We definitely have seen that with Daniel Jones this year, Giants fans, sadly. There's a lot more zone coverage. Bears ran a ton of zone coverage, as did the San Francisco 49ers, as did the Los Angeles Rams, and as did the Dallas Cowboys. Now, Jason Garrett needs to find a way to overcome that zone coverage, but you also need some protection to help that, and the Giants aren't getting that quite yet. So as for the highest over-unders, though, not to go on a New York Giants tandem which I tend to do sometimes, the highest over-under of the week is 57.5 points. And that's Monday night, Kansas City at Buffalo. Then there's a tie for the second to the fifth highest over-unders. It's 54.5 for the Monday night football game, Arizona at Dallas, Green Bay at Tampa Bay, Detroit at Jacksonville, and Atlanta at Minnesota. So it looks like it could be a high-scoring week. 54.5 54.5 is a good, healthy fantasy number. So the kickers in this game could be used, especially for offenses that aren't as efficient. Maybe Dallas, if Greg Zerline is around. You look at someone like that, because now they have a new quarterback. It's not going to be as crisp as Dak Prescott. It's going to be a fall-off, but you still have Andy Dalton, who has three of the better receivers in the league. Michael Gallup's not even be utilized that way. You have Dalton Schultz, who I think is going to be kept in to block a little bit more since there's no Tyron Smith, since there's no Lyle Collins. I think they'll probably have more six-man protection packages, and they like using Zeke or Tony Pollard in the receiving game, so that's going to leave Schultz to block a little bit more, possibly, which we saw in the New York Giants game as well, and the Giants lost their best pass rusher in the first quarter with Lorenzo Carter rupturing his Achilles. It's brutal. I feel so bad for the kid, you know? But those games should be very heavily targeted for fantasy football. And obviously, if you have studs in some of the lower-scoring games, you're going to play them as well. Studs like Jamison Crowder, who has ended up being a really, really nice fantasy option, and we'll get into him. But let's go over the quarterbacks first. So let's get into my rankings. Quarterback number one, which it should be most of the weeks now, it's hard to doubt the guy, and that's Patrick Mahomes at Buffalo. Now, this is even compounded by the fact that Levi Wallace and Tredavious White did not play in week five. (laughs) And that forced Josh Norman onto the field. And Josh Norman's soul got sacrificed to King Henry, which we all saw with that stiff arm where Josh Norman was literally parallel to the ground. It was quite crazy to see. But those cornerbacks that were playing were not executing their assignments at a high level aj brown had one hell of a game and we saw guys like Khalif raymond go out and abuse the slot as well so the secondary of the bills isn't quite where they need it to be and that's probably what's going to happen when you have an elder josh norman out there but i expect them to run a lot of zone coverage like sean mcdermott likes to do And hopefully, for the Bills' sake, they get Trey White back. It's a possibility. They could have Levi Wallace back. That's also a possibility. But even so, it's Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes is an absolute stud. So I have to go with Mahomes at one. Number two for me is Kyler Murray at Dallas. We've seen Dallas' defense be vulnerable. They give up more than 30 points every game. And, yes, I know the Giants scored more than 30 points, and some of it – didn't necessarily come with the Giants driving down the field and punching it in after their 12 play drive. No. They had a defensive touchdown. They had Andy Dalton fumble the ball, give it to them at the 15 yard line, and then they punched it in with Devonta Freeman. And then the rest were just field goals. But Arizona, they have struggled. They're not a great football team, but Kyler Murray is a great playmaker. They have DeAndre Hopkins, who is an absolute stud. They need to establish the running game against this Dallas defense that can't necessarily stop the run it really can't and they just lost Tristan Hill who was one of the better three-tech one-tech type of players so I expect them to be able to move the football on Dallas and it's going to put Kyler Murray in a position where he can exploit this defense and give you fantasy gold Number three, I have Josh Allen versus Kansas City for Lamar Jackson at Philadelphia. Hopefully he can throw for more than 180 yards in this game. I expect him to. I think him and Mark Andrews are going to have a heck of a game. I expect a big bomb to Marquise Brown as well. Number five, Aaron Rodgers at Tampa Bay. Six, Ben Roethlisberger versus Cleveland. This is the highest I've ever had Ben Roethlisberger. But ben has only played four games this season. He had that bye week because Tennessee kept testing positive for COVID-19. But despite having one less game than the majority of the NFL he's quarterback 21 in fantasy points right now he's 10th in passing touchdowns 23rd in passing yards he's cracked over a thousand and honestly last week he looked very very comfortable swinging the ball with Chase Claypool when they put him in the slot and Chase didn't even run that many routes honestly James Washington ran more routes but they had plays designed to chase Claypool Eric Ebron looks like he's stepping up a little bit yeah he fumbled the ball. But against Cleveland, Ebron should have one heck of a game. And then Juju, who's only getting like five, six targets a game. I expect him to eventually break out of that. So Ben Roethlisberger I have higher than I've ever had him. I have him at six against Cleveland. It's a defense you could pass on. Greedy Williams was just put on the IR. So that's Ben at six. At seven, I have Deshaun Watson at the Tennessee Titans. He got to cook last week. No Bill O'Brien there. He went out, threw for three touchdowns, threw two picks as well. Deshaun is going to do that. He can be a little reckless with the football. His pocket patience isn't always there. He likes to flee and extemporize and try to make something out of little. A lot of the time, it gets him in trouble. But I think against Tennessee, at Tennessee, that could be a low-key, fun fantasy game. But the issue, my concern, I guess, would be If Houston can't stop the run, then that game could lead to a huge time of possession advantage for the Tennessee Titans, but would also put Deshaun Watson into two-minute mode. Two-minute Deshaun Watson mode can be great as well, and I think Brandon Cooks and Wolf Fuller are good enough to kind of get around Tennessee, and I also think that they'll try to use the tight end. I know they had a tight end touchdown last week. With Darren Fells. So, yes, Deshaun Watson at seven, eight, Cam Newton versus Denver, nine, Ryan Fitzpatrick at versus the New York Jets. Now, Fitzy is kind of ridiculous this year. Now he had a couple duds. There's no denying the duds that Fitzpatrick had, specifically against New England, good defense, and Seattle, not good defense. Don't really know what happened. Fitzpatrick does this from time to time, it's actually pretty frustrating. But against New England in week one. Didn't have a touchdown through three picks. Against Seattle, didn't have a touchdown through two picks. And that Seattle game, we expected him to have a huge day because Seattle traveling from the west, (laughs) the deep west, all the way to Miami for a 1 o'clock start. But Fitzpatrick couldn't make anything happen. Everyone thinks he's washed. Goes to San Francisco, throws for three touchdowns, 350 yards, rushes for 16 yards. I mean, the guy has two rushing touchdowns on the season. He has at least a round average five and a half rushes a game. Gets you a couple fantasy points just by doing that. Now he gets to play the hapless Jets. So I like this recipe for Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think the Jets are too bad to force Fitzpatrick into having a Fitzpatrick type of meltdown, which Fitzpatrick can do. So there's a little bit of risk there, but I do not necessarily envision that here. And that's why he comes in for me in my top 10 at quarterback nine. Fitzpatrick on the season he's quarterback 10 in fantasy points he has seven passing touchdowns he's 12th in passing yards and he's third in deep ball completion percentage and we saw Preston Williams kind of have his breakout game No Brian Flores talked about getting him more involved last week and that happened for Preston Williams and I don't think Devontae Parker is going anywhere so against the Jets Pierre Desir whoever else they're trotting out there at cornerback sign me up for Ryan Fitzpatrick after that, I have Matt Stafford coming off of a bye, traveling to Jacksonville in a low key, even though it's a 54.5 over-under. Could be a really good fantasy football game. 11, I have Kirk Cousins if this game goes down. Again, we got to monitor that. Kirk Cousins had a slow start to the season against Green Bay. He did throw two touchdowns, had the one pick, but then he faces Indianapolis, and this is kind of before we knew Indianapolis' defense was as great as they actually are. He didn't throw a touchdown, threw three interceptions, didn't even crack 115 yards passing it was just absolutely abysmal but since then he has six touchdowns three interceptions he's averaging about 255 yards passing a game the issue with Kirk Cousins is he doesn't attempt many passes I mean he hasn't cracked 20 completions in a game the highest he's thrown for is 27 attempts and that was against Tennessee but in a game against Atlanta's secondary I expect him, Adam Phelan, even Justin Jefferson, to find some rhythm. There's a little bit of risk, but Atlanta's secondary is bad. It is not good, and they don't have Dalvin Cook. And I like Alexander Madison, and I believe Alexander Madison will receive at least 20 touches. I'll take that against Atlanta's defense as well. Some of those might come through the air as well. So I have Kirk Cousins at 11 against the worst pass defense in the league. And I'd have him in the double digits, not higher, just because he doesn't have this track record of throwing the ball a lot. And Atlanta's offense is kind of a mess as of right now. 12, I have Gardner Minshew versus Detroit. DJ Chark might not play in this game. And we saw against Miami on Thursday Night Football without DJ Chark. We saw that offense kind of sputter. But I still think with LaVisca Chenault kind of coming into his own, Keelan Cole, I mean, Chris Conley, I don't think he's that great of a wide receiver, but he is fast and he can catch a slant and run it to the house. I think Gardner Minshew can still be in for it. A solid fantasy outing of 20 points somewhere around that, especially if he does use his legs, which he does do occasionally. He's not really known for it, though. But I have him at 12, 13, Ryan Tannehill versus Houston, 14, Tom Brady versus Green Bay, 15, Jared Goff at San Francisco, 16, Andy Dalton versus Arizona, 17, Daniel Jones versus Washington. Hopefully he can throw a touchdown pass. I mean, it's been how long now? Week one was the last time he threw a touchdown pass. He threw two. And I mean, I guess he threw a touchdown pass last week. Got called back. But I believe he'll get at least one in this game. He's also has a high floor with his legs, which is funny to think about because he hasn't cracked more than 12 fantasy points in four-point passing touchdown leagues in the last, what, three games? Maybe since that Steelers game? It's been, it's been a rough start for Daniel Jones. I expect him to slowly come out of it a little bit. This tackle play does not help. In 18, I have Matt Ryan, who has been a disappointment. Been a, kind of a big disappointment, especially recently. Started off the season very hot because he got to play Seattle and Dallas. Seattle, he threw for over 450 yards, had two touchdowns and a pick. Dallas, he threw for 273 yards, had four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Remember, Calvin Ridley just kind of blew up. And then he faced Chicago. And he threw for 238 yards, threw 38 times, had a touchdown on a pick, and then he hasn't thrown a touchdown since. In Green versus Green Bay, when he played Carolina, he threw an interception there. It hasn't been good for Matt Ryan. And Julio Jones is being dinged up, and I think that's a big reason why. We also saw a lot of turnover there. They just fired Thomas Dimitrov. They fired Dan Quinn. That happened after the Carolina game, but I'm sure tensions were probably really high in the building. But right now, we get Matt Ryan playing Minnesota a defense that's been playing better recently but struggled really early on and I look at him he is 18th right now in fantasy points he has 7 passing touchdowns on the season again 4 of them came against Dallas he's 5th in passing yards but his deep ball completion percentage not exactly there ranks 25th but air yards it's there so he's throwing it deep because he's 1st in air yards a game He's throwing it deep, but it's not necessarily getting completed. And I'm sure the lack of Julio Jones or a hobbled Julio Jones has definitely hurt Matt Ryan. It has in the past, still does. I mean, yes, you have Calvin Ridley, you have Russell Gage, who traded for Hayden Hurst, he did all these things. But not having that presence of Julio Jones shifts a lot more coverage to Calvin Ridley, which puts more of a pressure on guys like Zacchaeus and Gage. And Hayden Hurst. I have him in my top 20. But I'm still a little tentative about starting him. That's why I have players like Daniel Jones and Andy Dalton over him. 19, I have Teddy Bridgewater. Now, I like Teddy Bridgewater. I think it's not sexy. People don't view Teddy Bridgewater as a sexy fantasy start. But we saw last week. Could have won you your fantasy week, right? 313 yards passing, two touchdowns. The week prior had 276 yards passing, two touchdowns. A pick also added a rushing touchdown. But now he plays Chicago, a team that's only surrendered one passing touchdown this season to a wide receiver. So you look at DJ Moore, who would have had a modest day if it wasn't for a 50-something yard touchdown scamper on a quick drag route. Robbie Anderson, who is the number one receiver against the Chicago Bears defense, who was on one of those bye weeks, I guess you can call it, because they played Thursday night football, so they had an extended week of rest. That's why he's a little bit lower in my rankings but I do like Teddy I mean he has six passing touchdowns on the year he's 16th in fantasy points not a lot of people thought that he's sixth in passing yards he's a good number two quarterback to have for your fantasy team in super flex but I'm not necessarily looking to start him this week and then 20 to round out the top 20 is Jimmy Garoppolo versus the Rams I think he's gonna bounce back from that incredibly embarrassing struggle against the Miami Dolphins. This is a division game. I expect Kyle Shanahan to come in with a really good game plan. I expect them to attack the Rams with reverse screens and things of that nature a lot of quick game to kind of get the ball out of Jimmy Garoppolo's hands and into Brandon Ayuk's hands into Debo Samuel's hands into Raheem Mostert Jarek McKinnon George Kittle's hands so I have him in my top 20 if you guys want the rest of the quarterback rankings that I have you can go check them out at Big Blue View but let's dive into the running backs okay number one running back right now quarterback just got hurt you have Andy Dalton as your starting quarterback. You're going to feed Zeke at home against Arizona Cardinals, who just lost Chandler Jones, and it's probably going to work out. I can see Ezekiel Elliott blowing up this week, so he's number one. Number two, Derrick Henry versus Houston. Houston has struggled to stop the run all year, and now they get Derrick Henry, who's on a short week, but he's Derrick Henry, who has extended rest, and he steals souls, and he's stolen many souls before in the past. Not Chris Conti's; That was Vance McDonald, but he has stolen a few. Derrick Henry comes in at two. And then at number three, I have Mike Davis hosting the Chicago Bears. A good defense, but Mike Davis has been low-key excellent for fantasy football. And I know I alluded to this before. He's stepped into the Christian McCaffrey role. And I'm not going to say he's Christian McCaffrey because he's not, but he's done more than what any of us could have expected. Right now, he's running back seven in fantasy points on the season. He has 220 rushing yards. And his juke rate, according to fantasy data, is second among anybody else in the NFL. His breakaway potential from the running back position is eighth. And he's involved in the receiving game. Teddy Bridgewater loves to target him. Even in the game where Christian McCaffrey was healthy, he had eight targets, he caught all eight of them. The next game, against the Chargers, he had nine targets, caught eight of them. Then against Arizona, he had six targets, caught five of them. And then against Atlanta last week, he had ten targets, caught nine of them, added sixty, and a score with that. And that's while getting about 15 carries in a game. <laughs> Mike Davis is a stud until Christian McCaffrey comes back. If you could trade him high after this week or even before this week, if you can get a true number one running back, you might want to wait until Le'Veon Bell signs somewhere to see the value of someone like Clyde edwards lair or David Montgomery or even Miles Gaskin, some guys who are getting a lot of carries. But Le'Veon Bell has it narrowed down to three teams right now. And I think the Bills aren't in it. I mean, the Bears, I'm sorry. I think the Bears aren't in it. I think it's the Bills, the Chiefs, or the Dolphins, or the three teams that have been reported. And by the time you're listening to this, you'll probably know which team. So I'm not going to go too far into that. But it's going to, you know, obviously piss off a lot of fantasy managers. It goes to the Chiefs. It's going to piss off people who own Clyde Edwards-Alaire. But Edwards-Alaire has not been that great in the short yardage situations. But we'll see. We'll see where Le'Veon goes. But as for Mike Davis right now, he's an absolute stud for you. And as is James Robinson, who comes in at four for me. Now, James Robinson gets to host the Detroit Lions, a team that is not that great against stopping running backs. Detroit ranks sixth in fantasy points allowed to the running back position. The only teams that give up more is Miami, who are facing the Jets, so you don't really have to worry about it. Green Bay, who is facing Tampa Bay, but that's a little bit more skewed than anything else. Las Vegas, Carolina, and the Jets themselves. Against Miami. That's why I love Miles Gaskin as well. But James Robinson right now is ninth in fantasy points at the running back position. He's twelfth in rushing yards. Hey, he only has three touchdowns on the ground. But he's also involved in the receiving game. And three touchdowns, I'll sign that up. That's not terrible. It's just two of them came in one game. So if you didn't start him against Miami, then you might have missed out on a lot of that and you'd be a little bit frustrated. But he averages fourteen and a half carries a game. His targets he had seven last week against Houston, four the week before against Cincinnati, six against Miami, and four against Tennessee. He only had one against Indianapolis, and he only fumbled the ball once, and that was last week. James Robinson, you've been very happy about him. He's been one of the best ads, as has Mike Davis. It's just James Robinson has staying power because I don't think anybody's coming in and taking that job. So you got to love that. Number five, I have Alexander Madison. Again, I already went over how bad I believe Atlanta's defense is. And Madison should see at least 20 touches in this game. I think Mike Boone will see a couple as well. It'll be annoying, but it shouldn't eat into Madison's workload too much. We saw Mike Boone last year and what he wasn't able to do when he was given the full load. That was when Madison and Cook were both out. Now Cook's out. You're going to get Madison for a week, hopefully, (laughs) if this game goes down. And then you're going to have a bye week. So it was basically anybody who paid up for him or paying for hopefully a guaranteed win but we got to see this covid situation six i have aaron jones at tampa bay people thought aaron jones would fall off a cliff it didn't exactly happen that's not the way things really went down with aaron jones so you're going to be starting him if you were redrafting he'd probably be closer to a first round pick definitely maybe even a top five pick because his involvement is still really high and he's still a stud number seven we have jonathan taylor who gets to play against the Cincinnati Bengals. Now he's 13th in fantasy points. He has three touchdowns on the year. He's 15th in rushing yards with 307. And Jonathan Taylor isn't probably blowing your week up. He's been steady. He hasn't cracked anything more than 17 points, which he did against Minnesota. He's not getting as much work as I think fantasy players want. But he gets Cincinnati, who has Geno Atkins back, But I feel this could be one of those slug it out kind of games where Indianapolis' defense suffocates Joe Burrow and that excuse for an offensive line that he has while they establish the run with someone like Jonathan Taylor, mixing in Naheem Hines, mixing in Jordan Wilkins. But I think Jonathan Taylor could fall into the end zone once or twice in this game, so I have him at seven. and Then I have Kareem Hunt at Pittsburgh. Tough matchup for sure. Yes, they gave up like a 72-yard touchdown to Miles Sanders. But outside of that, Miles Sanders did absolutely nothing when it came to running the ball. But Kareem Hunt's usage is so high as a receiver. It's so high as a running back. So I'm not going to bench him when he comes in my top 10. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, even if Le'Veon Bell is started, comes in my top 10 at Buffalo. Because if they sign Le'Veon Bell right now, he's not going to be ready to play at Buffalo. At least not a significant role whatsoever. He might get a carry here or there if they decide to dress him. But Clyde Edwards-Alaire is getting all the usage right now. He's getting all the usage as a receiver. He's getting usage in the 5-yard line. I think he had one carry in the 5-yard line this last game because they've been doing a lot of trick plays because he wasn't efficient in Week 1. But the one carry that he got against the Raiders, there was no nothing he could do. The blocking wasn't there. The Raiders played it excellently. So I'm not going to pin that on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. But Week 1 against Houston, that was a little bit on him. But I have him coming in at 9. 10, Myles Gaskin. Versus the New York Jets. Now, Gaskin is low-key sneaky, and he's a lot better than people think. Now, again, Le'Veon Bell kind of mixes in with this. But right now, no one really thinks of him this way. He's a running back two, a high-end running back two. Because he's the 16th running back in fantasy points right now. And the usage is just there. Going back to the Jacksonville game on Thursday Night Football, where he had 22 rushing attempts, five targets, five receptions. It's 27 touches. That's insane. Then he had 10 against Seattle. Attempts that is, and then 16 against San Francisco, and he's getting at least three and a half targets a game on average. That's dating back to Week One. Now he's a heavily favored team against the putrid New York Jets. So I really do like Miles Gaskin this week, and I think a lot of I know a lot of people in my league he's like a fringe starter. I think people need to. Acknowledge that he is a running back too, and he should be starting every week unless you're absolutely studded out on your team. After Miles Gaskin, I have James Connor versus Cleveland, hosting the Cleveland Browns. I think Connor, you see a little bit more Anthony McFarlane, you see some Benny Snell, but Connor's still getting involvement in the passing game. He's still going to get those inside the five carries. He had one, and he was able to punch it in last Sunday. So, Connor comes in at 11. Raheem Mostert versus the Rams comes in at 12. Miles Sanders versus Baltimore. Ronald Jones is second versus Green Bay. I think Ronald Jones will probably have 16 touches around there, maybe a little bit more. Leonard Fournette is still coming back from that ankle injury. Looks like he's going to play. Ronald Jones has looked good. He looked good against the Bears. Yeah, the team lost, but he looks solid. He has that burst. We know he does, and I think he's a solid start to roll out there until he proves you otherwise the only issue is sometimes Bruce Arians does Bruce Arians things and we'll just bench him if he makes a mistake And we haven't seen that since what was that week two with Leonard Fournette but after Ronald Jones at 15 I have Joe Mixon now Mixon had his blow-up game against the Jacksonville Jaguars and then he went out against Baltimore and he didn't do as much but he had 24 carries he had six receptions on eight targets His usage is insane. You have to start Joe Mixon. I think he is a buy-low candidate, 100%. Because, yes, the offensive line sucks, but when you're getting the kind of opportunity that he has and he doesn't look like Kenyon Drake out there who gets a lot of opportunity but just looks just done, you need to pursue that because opportunity is fantasy gold. And I like Joe Mixon a lot when it comes to his skill set. And I think he can definitely provide again this week, even though he's going up against Indianapolis. I think it's a tough matchup It's at Indy. But Nixon, all he needs is one crease, and he can go. And I think you are probably going to be starting him as you were going to be starting David Montgomery at Carolina. Montgomery's a running back 20 right now on the year. He has 247 rushing yards, two touchdowns. We saw him get in to the end zone last week. But without Tariq Cohen, he was targeted eight times, had seven catches, 30 yards. Very inefficient, but it's there. And if Le'Veon doesn't sign with the Bears, he's going to continue to get this workload. He's the primary running back. And I don't like the offensive line situation with the injuries that are kind of happening down there. But it's hard to... Not like him at Carolina. He's going to be with Nick Foles. He's going to be a big part of that game plan. 17, I have Todd Gurley at Minnesota. 18, David Johnson at Tennessee. 19, Damian Harris versus Denver. I think people are sleeping on Damian Harris. I still see him on the waiver wire in some places, and I snag him up every time. I don't like typically rostering Bill Belichick running backs, but I've heard just such a steady drumbeat about this kid since training camp. People loved him. People were raving about him. Sony Michelle's now on IR. They don't seem to be raving about him whatsoever. So I think it could be the Damian Harris. And definitely could be, obviously, James White and Rex Burkhead on third down. But I had Damian Harris versus Denver, a team that just lost Jarrell Casey. Denver's typically good against the run, but they did lose Jarrell Casey, so those stats are a little... Uh, incorrect, I guess you could say, at least as of right now with the roster as it's currently constructed. 20, I have Antonio Gibson at the New York Giants. I think he'll be used a lot out of the backfield. Giants do a really good job rallying to the football, and they haven't really surrendered a lot of points through the air to the running back position, nor have they done it to the tight end position because their zone coverage focuses on the middle of the field, and guys like Blake Martinez are really, really good in pursuit, as is Kyler Fackrell and a couple other players. 21, Devin Singletary versus Kansas City. 22, Kenyon Drake at Dallas. 23, Devonta Freeman versus Washington. 24, Daryl Henderson at San Francisco. And then 25, I have Philip Lindsay at New England. And it's a little unclear as of right now if Melvin Gordon's going to play. I believe he returned to practice today, so I would put Melvin Gordon there. If Melvin Gordon plays after his DUI, I don't love him as a fantasy option at New England because it's New England. They're going to take away your best option. It's what they do. But he should have a lot of carries and he could break something out. It's definitely possible. He is skilled enough. Doesn't seem like the league is going to come down on Melvin Gordon quite yet. They have to let an investigation kind of ensue. And I look at Melvin Gordon. He's going to be suspended probably for three games. A little bit later, though. He could play in this if the Broncos don't come down on him. I don't necessarily love either for fantasy football, but if you're in a bind and Melvin Gordon isn't demoted, then I guess you could start him, but it's definitely not something that I'm looking to do. All right, if you want the rest of the running back rankings, please go to Big Blue View. Before we get into the wide receivers, please take a minute to listen to our sponsors here at SB Nation.
2: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team.
1: All right, receiver 1 is DeAndre Hopkins. He's an absolute stud. He had a slow start against the Jets. He gets to play at Dallas this week. And then in like the third, the end of the third quarter, fourth quarter, he just blew up against the Jets, had a touchdown. You're never not going to start DeAndre Hopkins. Number 2 Adam Thielen versus Atlanta's pretty bad secondary. So, definitely fire him up. If they play the game, Tyreek Hill at Buffalo is three. Devontae Adams should play. He should be healthy for this game. At Tampa Bay is four. Stephon Diggs versus the Kansas City Chiefs is five. Stephon Diggs, I mean, if you're redrafting right now, he's going to be one of the first receivers selected. And people were getting him in the sixth round. Honestly, hindsight's 20-20, but that was really dumb. (laughs) <laughs> Looking back on it, given the skill set of Stefan Diggs, I know a lot of people were down on Josh Allen, including myself, but we should have realized what Diggs could have done for Allen and expected maybe a little bit of progression from the quarterback. Last time we saw Josh Allen, it was not good whatsoever for the kid at Houston, where he made tons of mistakes to basically cost the team a chance to advance in the playoffs. But Stefan Diggs makes that team. So much better that offense specifically, obviously. Then I have Allen Robinson at six. Now Allen Robinson is just getting hyper targeted. He's the most targeted receiver in the league right now. He averages eleven and a half targets a game. Has fifty-seven targets on the season. Last three games, he's double-digit targets. It's a stud. And yes, he has Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles throwing him the football. Doesn't really matter because he's getting so many targets. He's eighth right now in wide receiver fantasy points. He's eighth right now in receiving yards with 421. And he'd been in a tough matchup last week against Tampa Bay. He saw 16 targets, had 10 catches for 90 yards. Now, if he got in the end zone, those fantasy points would have been huge. But it was rather modest if it wasn't in a PPR league. But a lot of people play PPR leagues. Like my rankings, half-point PPR. That's what they are. Anyways, next is Calvin Ridley at Minnesota, especially if Julio Jones sits. I don't have Julio. I don't have Chris Godwin. I don't have DJ Chark in these rankings. I don't believe Godwin's going to play. Chark is not trending in the right direction. Julio, maybe if this game gets pushed back, could slip in here. And if Julio plays, I think you're going to start him. He's Julio Jones. But he already had a setback last time he tried to play in week four. So I think the Falcons may be a little bit hesitant to put him back out there. Calvin Ridley is 7. 8 is Kenny Galladay at Jacksonville. 9 is Amari Cooper. Versus Arizona Now, Cooper, right now, he only has one touchdown on the season, but he's 10th in fantasy points because he's getting targeted like crazy. He has 424 receiving yards on the season. It's just last week, he didn't have a good game, and that's because he got the James Bradbury treatment. And the Cowboys' game plan, the game script, had them run the football a lot more than we originally anticipated because the Giants were playing a lot of too high, so they didn't have a safety down on the box. And when you play too high... That's cover two, middle of the field open. The seams are going to be vulnerable for C.D. Lamb, which they were. And you're not going to have that safety to be in the box to help execute his run fits in the B-gap specifically in a timely manner. And that's why horizontal stretch to the field, just like it was in Week 9 last year, was a problem for the Giants. Now, I know this is a different defense, but Ezekiel Elliott did a good job on the ground. But look at the targets that Amari Cooper, to get back on Cooper, has had. He had four last week. Again, James Bradbury and GameScript. He had 16 the week before, 12 the week before that, 9 the week before that, and 14 the week before that. That's what Dak Prescott, Andy Dalton, knows that he needs to target his talented guys. He has three of them. But I expect Amari Cooper to bounce back here and have a really good game in primetime. Number 10, I have Cooper Cup at San Francisco. Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, I feel like, are both kind of in- interesting here. Richard Sherman is probably not going to be playing in this game. He had a setback with his calf injury, and I like Cooper Cup. I want to see a little bit more targets. He's only cracked double digits once, and that was against Buffalo when they traveled to Buffalo in that high-scoring game last two weeks. He had eight targets and then seven targets. He had the one touchdown on broken play against the Giants, but I still think he is a wide receiver one here in a game where I think San Francisco is going to have a good game plan. I think there could be a modest scoring affair, talk about like 24-21 kind of game, closer game than what San Francisco just had. So I have him coming at a 10, 11, I have Mike Evans versus Green Bay, 12 Odell Beckham Jr. and I know he's out sick right now. It's not COVID, at least not as of right now. He t- took a test and it was negative, but it could develop into it. So we got to monitor it. But Pittsburgh's been very bad against opposing wide receivers, which is somewhat crazy to think about, but they have not been good against opposing wide receivers. But if he's healthy for the game, I'm going to fire up Odell Beckham Jr. because he's freaking Odell Beckham Jr. And he can take a slant to the house. And they've been using him at a solid clip at least the last two games. And Jarvis Landry is another interesting one. It seemed like he was hurt last week. But he's somebody who's getting more receiving yards than I think we all realize. It's just not resulting in big touchdown plays for fantasy but he's another player that can be found on waiver wires, and I would scoop him up if I was you because he's getting more and more healthy even though he took that shot to the ribs last week. 13, I have Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder is the wide receiver 24 right now despite missing some games. He's 335 yards receiving. He's played in three games. All three of the games, has had double-digit targets, has two touchdowns in him, has been over 100 yards. He's <laughs> He's been playing really well for a crappy Jets team. He really has. And he comes in as a top 15. He comes in as a number one receiver. No, just outside at 13. Number one, I guess, would be 1 through 12. And I have him over Robert Woods, who I have at 14. And I like Robert Woods, but he's somebody else who needs to get a little bit more targets. I like to spread the ball out a little bit there in Los Angeles. But I have Robert Woods at San Francisco at 14. 15, I have Will Fuller at Tennessee. Like Will Fuller, it was a Brandon Cooks game last week. It's going to happen sometimes. But he's still going to eat. Will Fuller's still a very good wide receiver in his own right, and he has that deep speed. Sean Watson loves to throw the ball deep. Usually that's a way to make fantasy greatness, and I believe that he does have that. Marquise Brown I have next. Now Marquise Brown comes in at 16 for me. I just think he's going to pop a big play against Philadelphia. Philadelphia's been a little shoddy when it comes to their ability to stop big plays, especially in the middle of the field. They really struggle against tight ends. So I think Mark Andrews, which we'll get into later, is just going to have one heck of a game. Marquise Brown, last two weeks, has 18 targets. Had eight against Washington and 10 against Cincinnati. So he's getting more and more targets, and I expect there's a huge play to end up happening for him because he hasn't had a play more than 47 yards, which was week one. And that didn't even result in the touchdown. We know how Marquise Brown is, that kind of speed that he has. I think he can hit it this week against the Philadelphia Eagles. After Marquise Brown, 17, I have Robbie Anderson, who's the f- number, one, number one wide receiver there for the Carolina Panthers. 18, A.J. Brown versus Houston. 19, C.D. Lamb versus Arizona. I expect him to just work the middle of the field like he did, and I don't expect the loss of Dak Prescott to ha- to force Andy Dalton to not see that wide-open throw. As long as Andy Dalton can throw up the seam, which I've seen him do plenty of times, then that still should be a great fantasy outcome for someone like Lamb. 20, I have Juju Smith-Schuster versus Cleveland. Smith-Schuster, I feel like two of the last three games he's played Cleveland, he's gone off against them. And I know it was Chase Claypool last week. We don't know about Deontay Johnson, but I think they're going to get Smith-Schuster more involved in this game. Now, I'm not sure where Denzel Ward is going to be. Smith-Schuster will line up in the slot. Smith-Schuster will go outside. He'll line up all over the formation. But I have him at 20, so he's somebody that you're more than likely going to start. Terry McLaurin, he's going to see a lot of James Bradbury at the New York Giants, 21. Justin Jefferson versus Atlanta, 22. Devontae Parker versus the Jets at 23. Tyler Boyd at Indianapolis. And then Darius Slayton versus Washington. And the rest of the rankings i'll just run through them real quick just because these are players that i also like and i think you should pick up if they're even on the free agent wire because some of them could still be found there micole hardman dj moore who shouldn't be on the free agent wire but he just hasn't lived up to it quite yet deontay johnson laviska chanolt at 29 30 julian edelman versus denver 31 t higgins at indianapolis and 32 brandon cooks at tennessee let's go through the tight ends real quick I know I'm long-winded. It happens. Tight ends. Travis Kelsey is the number one tight end at Buffalo. Matt Milano has not been healthy. He could play in this game, but Buffalo gives up the most fantasy points to the tight end position, and I expect that to continue. We saw what Jauan Smith did to them on Tuesday night football. I think that Travis Kelsey is probably a better player than Jauan Smith, but Johnny Smith is still stud in his own right. Don't want to take anything away from him. Travis Kelsey, number one. Number two, Mark Andrews at Philadelphia. I mean, Philadelphia has just been torn up by tight ends. And I know last week it was Chase Claypool, but they used Chase Claypool tight to the line of scrimmage, matched him up with Nathan Gary, and just absolutely blew the top off the defense. And I think Mark Andrews is going to have a heck of a game. Nick Boyle could even catch a touchdown in this damn game, the way the Ravens like to kind of run a lot of 12, 13 personnel. Three, I have George Kittle versus the Rams. Four, Johnnie Smith versus Houston. Five, TJ Hawkinson versus the jacksonville jaguars jacksonville gives up the sixth most fantasy points 17.3 points per game to the tight end position and i think tj in. that's why he comes in my top five i think he's going to have a really good week here at jacksonville with kenny galladay kind of also taking the pressure and expanding the defense forcing the safeties to kind of pay attention to him as well evan ingram versus washington i have at six they're tra- the giants are trying to use him in a lot of different ways and i respect that and he's just not it as a blocker, and he's not that great of a route runner. I want to see some more vertical routes from Evan Ingram. Everything's horizontal with him. His A dot is still sub five, which is absolutely ridiculous. They use him a lot on those spacing routes, which is fine. But maybe a tight end screen here and there, which I know they've called in the past with Jason Garrett. Maybe something up the seam. Stretch, especially if Washington is playing middle of the field open defense. But I have him at six, seven. Mike Kosicki versus the Jets. Eight. Eric Ebron versus Cleveland. Nine. Robert Tanyan at Tampa Bay. Dude has five touchdowns in the last three games, and I know three of them came in prime time against Atlanta. But think about what the receivers outside of Devonte Adams that are healthy have done for Green Bay. Nothing. They haven't done anything. Alan Lazard is out, so he's eliminated. Marquise valdez scantlin Marquez Valdez Scantlin, I should say, has not risen to the occasion. So I think Robert Tanya is going to be the number two target in this passing game if you don't include Aaron Jones. So I have him at 9 10. I have Hayden Hurst at Minnesota. Zach Ertz comes in at 11 versus Baltimore. I mean, Zach Ertz has just kind of gone missing. I looked at a lot of his separation stats, things like that. They're not terrible, honestly. They're really not. But he's just not getting the targets and Carson Wentz is throwing the ball deep, and that's just not Zach Ertz's game right now. 12, I have Trey Burton versus Cincinnati. He was activated off the IR two weeks ago, and since then he's been targeted kind of a lot by Phillip Rivers. We know how Phillip Rivers loves to target the tight end position, and he's kind of been getting those targets over Jack Doyle, Mo'Ally Cox as well. Moale Cox is also dealing with an injury right now. 13, Jimmy Graham at Carolina. 14, Dalton Schultz versus Arizona. and Then 15, Austin Hooper at Pittsburgh. And to round that out, it's Tyler Higbee. At sixteen, at San Francisco. Seventeen, Rob Gronkowski versus Green Bay. Eighteen, Darren Fells at Tennessee. Nineteen, Herb Smith Junior versus Atlanta. And then twenty, Gerald Everett at San Francisco. Alrighty, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this. Please rate, subscribe, and review this podcast. And I hope you guys all have a lovely day. Let's get a fantasy win. Take care.